Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Auto home life business. RV, boat, motorcycle. Purdy Insurance will make sure you're insured and they'll do everything they can to save you money because. They're the pros' pros when it comes to insurance. They are the best in the business. Purdy Insurance. And don't forget, we got the Purdy Memorial Golf Tournament, August 10th. Susquehanna Valley Country Club to benefit the greater Susquehanna Valley YMCA. We'll be... Lou will join me for the, uh, for the show out on the, uh, on the patio there. Uh, which essentially means I'll verbally have the day off. S I'll ask him one question. That spells Suda. I'll ask him one question about IndyCar, and then I'll probably just take a break. I mean, uh, you know, I'll also mentally tune out. Uh, but we'll be out there on August 10th for that. So get your team together and be a part of a tournament with a great, great cause. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia. Roots 11 and 15 on sunburymotors.com. All right, play-by-play call of the day. Cam Smith at St. Andrews. Can you believe it? Brilliant, quite brilliant. What a back nine. Cam Smith has won the 150th Open. He is the champion golfer of the year. Now the question is, will it go to live golf? It is something that is out there. He was asked about it yesterday. He gave a rather rude answer about it. He's not a rude person, based on everything I've seen over the years. But he said, "He said I just won the Open. You're asking me that. Um, I'm sorry. In the current atmosphere, it is an excellent question." Then he gave some answer about his team, and you know, I always love when people talk about the team and whatever. You're the golfer. You're the product. You make the final call. It's really not the team's call. You are the product. You're the golfer. In the end, it actually is your call. Now, Liv did pick up a recruit today. David Fair, BC, is going to join the Liv broadcast. <clears throat> and then we'll find out what Cam Smith wants to do. Uh, all right. I was talking about... Um, watching Aaron Judge the last two weeks because you know I watch some games on Nesson and watch him play. 
usually with big players. I mean, tall players. Dave Kingman, tall player. Frank Howard was a really impressive, imposing, tall player. They also bring with them to the table big strike zones. And Judge's play coverage is just outstanding, but you'll also notice how far off the plate he is. Look how far off the plate he is. He has the length where he can hit an outside pitch with complete ease. And he's off the plate where if you throw him in on the inner half of the plate, it's in his wheelhouse. He really is so tough to deal with. That's what struck me watching him over and over again. How far off the plate he is. Some guys crowd the plate. Most guys crowd the plate. He doesn't. He's off the plate because he's got such great length. If you pitch him outside, he can go get it. It's no big deal. And guess what? You throw it in the inner half of the plate, you're actually throwing it to the middle of his bat. Very impressive. John Carlos Stanton, again, he homered the other night, right? What inning was that? On the third. That's right. Does he get any home runs after the fourth inning? Well, no. he did not come through with the bases loaded on, uh, I think it was the Friday night game that they lost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We already tried to, When he was up, I had no worries. I knew what inning it was. I was like, yeah, yeah, fine. He's got no chance. Right? It's like he gets exhausted. He can't go any further than, the, he can't go any further than four. Um, so, yeah. And now it's the All-Star game. Are you going to watch the Home Run Derby tonight? Oh, I always do. I enjoy it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you are such a party pooper. I've always loved the home run derby. It's, it's you know it's too long. I I will agree there. I, I think it is too long. I think they can move things along a little bit. I will say that, but I still enjoy it. I I can't watch it anymore. Are you gonna watch the game? Yeah, definitely. That's also too long, but I'm still gonna watch. I may not make it. I'm probably not going to make it through the whole thing, but I'll watch as much as I can. I would say my odds of getting are 50-50. Yeah. Yeah, that's where I'll go. 50-50. Second inning. Who are the starting pitchers? Do we know? Well, uh, Clayton Kershaw is definitely starting for the NL, which is not surprising. Well, I haven't seen who the AL starter is going to be. Yeah, Dodger Stadium. He should. Yeah. I don't know oh, who the AL starter is. Let's see. No, we know it's well. We know it's not Garrett Cole because he quit. Oh, I didn't realize he pulled out of the game. Oh God, he pulled out. He's quitter. <laughs> I, I, I'm fine with it. I don't even know who's starting. I don't know who the starters are. I heard. I guess Mike Trout's out of the game now. Yeah, so far you've got uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. at first. Uh, mm. Just had it here. I know Judge is starting and, and standing. Devers is at third. 
Stanton's starting? Yep, really? he, is, he is starting. Judge is starting. Really? Byron Buxton starting from the Twins. Tim exactly Anderson a, at short and Raphael exactly Devers at third. Not exactly a Ruthian season. Jeez. <laughs> He's starting. I guess he must have been voted in, right? Yeah, yeah. These are all votes. Yeah. And then Shohei Otani's the DH. Yeah. And and um, Byron Buxton of the Twins, he's the replacement for Mike Trout. He, he's a good player. Buxton's a good player. Yeah. And uh, Jimenez is replacing Jose Altuve. Hmm. National League, it is Wilson Contreras at catcher, Paul Goldschmidt at first base, Jeff McNeil at second base, who's replacing uh, Chris Holm, who's sidelined with the injury, Manny Machado's at third, Trey Turner at short, outfield is Ronald Acuna Jr., Mookie Betts, and Jock Peterson, and uh, Will Contreras was the DH, but now that's going to be Bryce Harper. I'm sorry, he replaces Bryce Harper. Harper's out for six weeks. If he shows up at the All-Star game, I'm a Phillies fan. I'm furious. Yes. (laughs) Wow. So there you go. That's. Yeah, but I don't know who's starting for the American League yet. I didn't say I was concerned. I'm just checking the uh just so you know I'm checking the major league draft here. Um, oh Shane McClanahan of the Rays is starting. Uh, you know what? He is he is a heck of a pitcher. He really is. He is very, very impressive. Um uh, did you see uh the Phillies drafted Carl Crawford's kid? I did. Good speed, good speed, good outfielder. He's a center fielder. Uh, impressed everybody with the work he did. Oh, good, Matt Wood of Penn State got drafted. Yeah, how the about Milwaukee that? Milwaukee Brewers. Yep, fourth Milwaukee round. Milwaukee Brewers. Milwaukee Brewers drafted Matt Wood. One thirty-two. Good. That's what I was looking for. Thrilled for him. Me too. He is, oh, great. We just had Matt in the show, what, two weeks ago? Yeah. Three weeks ago. Slot number is 448,000 for him. Good for Matt. Left-handed hitting catcher. Might not end up being a catcher, by the way. He could end up changing positions. It doesn't matter. Um, And then Crawford's kid, center fielder, good speed, at the moment, more of a slap hitter. How about that? More of a slap hitter, but it's for a good average. Not a big power guy. But um, has a lot of upside. Committed, by the way, to LSU. So you know, he's got a lot of the same traits his dad had when he played. The speed. Dad ended up getting a little more power as time went. Um, and the um, and that's their first round pick. 
We'll see what they want to do, you know, whether he wants to sign or not to go to LSU. I get my guess is he'll sign. And then the Pirates selected um, Amir Robinson, second baseman. Played shortstop in high school, but he's going to be projected as a second baseman on the major league level. And he is an outstanding pure hitter. Uh, probably a, a average to maybe above average power and great baseball IQ. Great baseball IQ. And Crawford for the Phillies is said to have a very good baseball IQ. Reads the ball well in the outfield and can and can move. So those are the drafts that were taking place. All right. All right, so Matt Wood to the Brewers. All right, love it. Good for Matt. Can't uh, say enough good things about it. It was great to have him on the show. Loved watching him play here. Uh, I've talked to um, in watching him play. I feel like he's good as a catcher. He's become better on his transfer. And as a hitter, has a beautiful, repeatable swing. Oh. And it allows him to hit with power. He's not always trying to launch it. He's up there trying to hit it, and he gets home runs with it. Ooh. Brett Barrera was just drafted out of Stanford by the Yankees. I know nothing about him. <laughs> I was about to say, yeah, same. <laughs> I know zero about him. I was, I was about to ask, maybe did he play for the Spikes, but I, I didn't no, think no, so. No, no, he's, he's at Stanford. Okay. No, 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 did not. So, <laughs> slot number 172,000. The Yankees will offer him $1.7 million. <laughs> There you go. Free spenders. For the eighth round pick. All right. SEC media days today, including Greg Sankey. And we're going to come back, revisit that because he got a new expansion, some key things he talked about today as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Purdy Insurance. Mm-hmm. When car repairs get difficult. Well, I. Just don't know. Um, me neither. We get good. Sunbury Motors. More than quality new and used cars, Sunbury Motors specializes in complicated auto repair diagnosis. They can handle intricate repairs and even complete auto body with service open Monday through Friday, 7 till 4. And Sunbury Motors has made simple repairs easy. Maintaining your vehicle is necessary. Finding the time to do it is difficult. Welcome to Sunbury Motors Quick Lane. Open 7 till 4, Monday through Friday. Just walk in or call ahead. Relax in their remodeled waiting room with Wi-Fi, beverages, and snacks. Will Sunbury Motors factory train techs take care of your oil change, tire alignments, brakes, and inspections. Quick Lane, 6.30 to 6, Monday through Friday, Saturday, 6.30 till 2. Sunbury Motors, Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury. And Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We take the... Mm. Out of auto repair. (laughs) 
And uh, between SEC Network, and I listened to that interview he did with SEC Network, and then his press conference, he said the difference with the with the Big Ten and the SEC, why they're positioned the way they are, is they bring value. He's right. I mean, that's the bottom line. There's only one big chip left in the game, and it's Notre Dame. They're the only ones left that bring value. Now, please, you know, I know you're all going to throw out the mumbo-jumbo stuff, which I got, you know. Well, what about Clemson? What about Oregon? Look, you got to understand how the financial game is played here. Texas and Oklahoma are going to make everybody more money. USC and UCLA... Who you know, except for Notre Dame, anybody you bring in, it's quite simple. It's very simple. If I am, let's just let's just pick a round number. I may be way too high, low, maybe even. Well, let's pick a hundred million. So, say the new deal comes out where everybody's going to get a hundred million, round number, right? Just easiest number to work with. That means that whomever you bring in. In expansion, has to make that number at least 110 million to school, if not more. You can't bring in somebody and suddenly, with another seat at the table, and everybody's getting 90. Uh, uh, uh. That's not how it works. He also made the statement, and it's very simple. When it came to the ACC, Clemson, Florida State, Miami, they're all going. He he said, when it comes to grant of rights, he says, we're not going there. We're not going to get in the middle of that. That tells you that the brakes are on there because that grant of rights is a pretty solid agreement, and it runs through 2036. USC and UCLA, their grant of rights have 23 months to go with the Pac-12. That's it. Oklahoma, Texas, they've got three more years on their grant of rights. They've got 35 months to go. That's why, you know, it's like, you know, it's Oklahoma, Texas. Now, it may change, but you notice they're not in the SEC now. Sankey is somebody that understands who he works for and what, he, what he's supposed to do with it. He understands it. Totally. And the bottom line is, in all these pivotal points, he's led. Pandemic, he led. Made the right decision. We're playing, picked a time, waited to a couple weeks in the season to see when other people played, and everything worked out for other people. He said, let's go. He worked it out. TV deal with ESPN, worked it out. Uh, expansion, Oklahoma, Texas. Two home runs. Worked it out. So there you go. Uh, and that that's what he talked about today. So look, Grant writes, we're not going to get in the middle of that. And he talked about the value 
And the other part, too, is that he waited a week before he called the other university presidents in the SEC. Why? He says, we have nothing to panic about. He says, what, you want me on the phone talking to him that night? He says, about what? Good. That's how you handle it. That's the other thing. Let's do an alliance. What are we doing here? (sighs) But here's the thing for me about Clemson, Steve, because everybody wants to go to that right away. To me, it's almost becoming somewhat of a lazy narrative just to go out because what has Clemson done really since Deshaun Watson left? Yeah, Dabo Sweeney's still there, and I guess he'll keep him there. But see, but you look at it from the wrong point of view. See, you don't understand what I'm talking about. Okay, I'm this is nothing. That, but I'm agreeing that they're not bringing do. money though, right this, now. They're yeah, not going to be anything for the SEC right. right now. Yeah, but this is about brands. Exactly. About value. This has nothing to do with performance. I mean, really, how good's Texas been in recent years? They haven't been anywhere near as good as Clemson. But Texas right. built themselves as that brand. Clemson just came into the picture when Dabo Sweeney took over, and now after Deshaun right. Watson left, now they're con- you don't think of them right away is what I'm saying. In terms of being a football, big-time football operation, Clemson's been way better than Texas for 15 years. But that's not what this is about. This is about brands. Right. And what comes up, yeah, Texas brings a brand to the table, even though they're really not that good. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street and Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Auto, home, life, business, RV, boat, motorcycle, whatever it may be. They'll make sure you're fully insured, and they will also make sure that they save you money in any way they can. Purdy Insurance, Market Street, and Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. We're in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street and Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 to 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at SunburyMotors.com, one of my favorite people in the world. Wheels, what's going on? <laughs> hey, Steve, how are you? It's great to talk to you again. Great to talk with you again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll text back and forth and whatever, oh, yeah. but you'll, you'll get his... You'll get his backside up here at some point, or I'll get my backside down there at some point, whatever, and then we'll get together. We'll work it out. Yeah, oh. we'll figure it out. Renee and I were talking about coming to a game again, you know, the other day, and, and then yeah. we're a little uh, we're a little spoiled now that the inn's closed, and that the Lion Inn is closed. We got a little spoiled with that over the years. So yeah. you know, we're still talk we're still talking about it. So maybe we'll figure something out this year. I'd love, obviously, I'd love to get up there and see a game this year and see you and you know other friends in that area and uh, around the team and all that. So. Well, we'll we'll uh, we'll just have to see what happens as, as time goes on. But I, I miss coming up there all the time. I really do. Oh, believe me, you're missed. Uh, so, so here we are. The Phillies got hot toward the end of the the first half, and you know, obviously, a lot of it coincided with Robbie Thompson taking over. You've been around it a lot. Um, sometimes a guy doesn't do anything differently than the other guy, but things fall into place which you know what do you think about all that when they change up one guy and all of a sudden things get 
quote, instantly better. Yeah. Well, in the Phillies case, it didn't help. It didn't hurt that the schedule got a lot easier, too. Uh, that was one of those things that happened right about that time. They weren't playing the Mets a lot the way they had been and getting smoked by the Mets. But not being close to it, it's kind of uh, harder for me to, to talk about it, you know, than other times when we've had this situation. You and I can discuss it. But my gut feeling is it was just an atmosphere change. You know, Joe Girardi is a. a great baseball man i had a few uh um instances to be around him down in florida in the last few years and he was always terrific to talk to and he was very gracious and all that but he's very uh high strung um rob thompson's just the opposite got to know him a little bit over the years too he's a he's kind of quiet uh in a way sometimes when you have look with today's players especially and even the veterans, some of them, you really have to be careful trying to be the tough guy because that stuff doesn't work anymore for being the disciplinarian. And I know fans want it to work, but it doesn't. So you might as well forget about it. And sometimes if a guy can just provide the proper atmosphere, and the best example I can give is Charlie Manuel. He did that for the Phillies after Larry Boa. It was a totally different personality change. So I have to think that had something to do with it. Uh, fact that he also was more willing to play some of the younger guys and try some of that even though some of that didn't work some of it did uh, I think they're a combination of things but for me it's always a matter of the manager setting the attitude in the clubhouse that they feel comfortable to play and if the players feel uncomfortable it's never going to work out it, it's so true it, you cannot be the hard line guy uh, <laughs> It's just not the way it works with today's players on any level. Uh, it it just it doesn't it doesn't go with this group. Yeah, and the best example that I can give, other than that, the other way is when Dallas took over. Dallas Green took over when Danny Ozark was fired in '79, and Dallas was the toughest guy you ever want to be around. Uh, and they hated him. Uh, they admit it. Uh, they just absolutely hated him being there. But they also knew him from the minor leagues when he ran the minor leagues. And he knew that he had Ruley Carpenter's uh, – uh, Ruley Carpenter had his back. So he was there to stay. And they were either going to get it done the way he wanted to do it or they were going to move on and lose that window that they had at that time to be a world champion, which, of course, they became. Um, but, boy, they did not like Dallas. And and then in the uh, in the years, you know, it's kind of like the, the same stories you hear about Joe. Uh, boy, yeah. I didn't like him when I was there, but when I was out yeah. later on, I really appreciated what he did for me. Well, they were all big Dallas Green fans. But there was, there was a point, Steve, where it was very tense between Dallas and those players, but he said, go ahead, let them fight me. I don't care. Just go out there and play and win, and they did, and that was the opposite example of what we're talking about It that I've right. been around in my career. Yeah, exactly. What do you think of the state of the game itself right now? You know, you look at you've got a lot of haves, have-nots, DH. How do you look at it now? Well, it's not the game that I grew up with or that you grew up with. Uh, you know, I've always tried not to be a dinosaur and say, well, you know, it was so much better when I was around. You know, and it, some, you, know you know exactly what I mean. And some of it is. So they, there are some changes in the way they play the game right now that are not the way that I would like. Uh, and I think it's proving that the game is not as popular as it was at one time. Um uh, 
whether the, you know this uh, <laughs> this strikeout is just an out mentality just drives oh. me crazy because oh. it's not you put the ball in play anything can happen you know what I mean uh, yeah. uh, you know the shifts and uh, and uh, you know the way the starting pitching has been you know if you give me five terrific uh, or six boy that's great well you know uh, the bullpens the way you use them nowadays. Uh, and the and the, the so many delays in the games because you're bringing in so many relief pitchers and and don't even get me started about having a runner at second base in the in the tenth oh. inning. I mean, come on. I mean, I, you know, during the COVID year, fine, but it's time to get rid of that. And yeah, the, the game is not as, as as interesting, I don't think, or as good as it was just by having the DH around now. But in the Phillies' case, if they didn't have the DH this year, they wouldn't have Bryce Harper playing for them. So, you know, you have to take the good with the bad. But there are changes that could be made, and evidently they're working on them for next year. And you don't, uh, you, you know, the union and, the, and, the, and uh, the commissioner are together on a lot of them. So we'll see what they do. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll give you one. Saramoro came in to pitch yesterday in the uh, Yankees-Red Sox game. He's taking 34 to 36 seconds per pitch. Yep. Yep. He's got to go Ridiculous. through his routine. Get the ball and pitch it. <laughs> your, routine wasn't, your, 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 yeah. your routine wasn't working anyway. They're still hitting him. <laughs> <laughs> well, that I've, evidently, that will happen next year with the clock. What's it going to be, like 20 seconds or something like yeah. that? And they've, they've experimented enough in the, America, in the minor leagues now that they're sold on it. Now, of course, they need to get it into spring training right away and get some of these major league guys used to it and don't spring it on him when the season starts because then they'll be standing around arguing with the umpires and you'll have all the delays anyway and the game will still go three and a half hours because of that. But I really think that that's an important change. Um, and there's no reason why they can't get used to it and won't get used to it, and it will definitely help the game. Uh, I think they're going to give them a little more time if there's a man on base, but not much, maybe five more seconds or something like that. But with the way that they're giving signs now by you know giving it into the transmitter and the guy's hat and all those kind of things that they do in Spanish, and you know there's so much technology and stuff involved nowadays that they can do some things in baseball that the old purists like you and I will go, yeah, we need that stuff. We need to change. We need to do some things to make our game better because it's still a wonderful game. Uh, I always say it's still the game where you can't take a knee. Uh, you can't ice it, yep. and you can't dribble yep. it around. And the damnedest things happen with two outs and two strikes in a, in a, in a baseball game mm -hmm. that you either get it or it gets you, and it's still happening, and it's still one of the mm -hmm. great things about the game. So that part I still think is terrific. And, Wills, people can't get confused here between the terms we're using. You and I are you and I are talking about pace, not length of game. I don't mind. You can have great games that are three and a half, three forty-five. It's a great game, but you want to feel like it's been moving, and it's the pace we're talking about. Exactly, Steve. And it's also that enough not enough baseballs are not putting being put into play now, and right. that's where I'm getting back to the strikeouts. And a lot You're of it right. is be, well. There's two reasons. One, the pitchers are so good now, and so many of them throw so hard, and they only have to throw an inning or two so they can go out there and just, just air it out. And the other thing is these guys are swinging with this uppercut stuff to try and hit balls out of the ballpark all the time because it, you're supposed to hit home runs. Well, if they can somehow change the philosophy of hitting in the minor leagues to take it to the major leagues uh, and make the home run not so important 
and also uh, to get the ball put into play more so that there's more action. Those are the two, two of the things that I look at and I would really like yeah. to see somehow uh, change. Something that's interesting, though, is that uh, the Red Sox have never stopped running. The Yankees are running more than ever this year. They already have 63, 64 stolen bases. It seems like a couple of the managers are, are like, while adhering to some of the analytics, are going off the reservation a bit because you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> right. You're never supposed to give up an out. Like, you don't. You don't uh, well, you're not giving up an out when it's trying to run, but you have the potential to give it out. Like you're not supposed to hit the hit the ball the right side now with a man on second and nobody out. Oh no, we don't ever want to do that anymore. That's giving up an out because of these analytics. We don't want to bun a guy over because that's giving up an out. Well, it's hard for me to argue with that stuff because I don't understand it anyway. And you know, if that's what they want to play, they want to play. But you know, Aaron Boone's a Aaron Boone's a good friend. Uh, I knew him when he was born, uh, so you know, yeah. so proud of him that, that, that he's. Yeah, we kid about that. I'll see him once in a while. I saw him in spring training this year. I said, "You believe you're the manager of the Yankees?" He still looks how many. We just laugh about it. Um, <laughs> but he he really, you know, we talked about running a little bit, and he said he thought they were going to run a little bit more this year, or, or try to run a little bit more this year. And there's nothing that puts pressure on a pitcher more than a guy that runs at first base because he gets fidgety. Uh, he, you know, he has a tendency that you want to throw more strikes. You're going to throw more fastballs to hitters. So I would love to see more of that come back in. And it shocks me that it's American League teams doing it more than National League teams. But yeah. now that we both have the DH, you know, there's not that much difference in the leagues. But running, hitting, running, putting balls into play, oh. those are the things that fans want to see. Because then you see the great defensive plays, too, or guys getting thrown out on the bases and that kind of stuff. All part of our sport that has kind of gone away that could come back very easily if you just make a few rule changes or changes in philosophy. It's called action. That's what it is. It's action. There's something <laughs> right. happening. It's fun. Right. All right. Okay, so, so now hey, we're going to do this. Favorite football, our favorite football team used to believe in just handing it to the running back. <laughs> <laughs> Jack, and I, Jack and I Jack and I, kid all the time. Over, with all due respect, because, I mean, we, you, know, you know Chuck Burkhart. You know Chuck Burkhart. Of course, Jack played with him. I've gotten to know Chuck over the years. He's an awesome guy. Never lost a game as a starter. But one right. year he had two tu- he had two touchdowns and nine interceptions one year, <laughs> and they didn't lose a game. Don't get, don't get in the way. <laughs> have a great have a great offensive line and a fullback, and let the tailback run it. It worked pretty well, and have a great defense. But the, obviously, you know, football has changed in so many ways, and, it, and it's such a, a game. It's more like, in many ways, sometimes it's more like bat- watching a basketball game on grass. Yeah. Uh, not that yep. Penn State is that way, but uh, you know, have got they've even gotten more that way. And the Big Ten, obviously, has gotten more that way when you watch Ohio State light it up with all those wide receivers. So, baseball can change; it, they definitely can change. Well, I got to keep this fair. So now we got we got to flip it around. So now it's your turn. Right? You get to ask. <laughs> you get to ask questions. <laughs> all right. You know, I you know how I love to talk football with you, especially Penn State. Uh, you know, as a fan, and all I do is read, uh, and, and, you know, because I don't get to talk to anybody inside, it seems like they're doing a really, really good re- job recruiting in the last, especially the last two or three seasons. So what do you think? 
what they've done is they they've been able to they're in the process of stacking two big time classes back to back. That's really big for the foundation of the program. And the coaches have done a great job. James has done a great job. But I'll give you two guys that may be a little bit under the radar. Kenny Sanders and Alan Zemitis. Kenny came back. You know Kenny. You sure. know Kenny. You, I, I do. And, and you know and you know, you know, his passion and enthusiasm. He had left and gone to Oregon. He came back. And then Zemitis. The biggest difference when you are uh, – entering a program and you haven't been to a place before is that when you go to recruit, you're selling, right? When you're somebody that's been a part of the program and it's a part of your fiber and background because you grew up in it, you end up sharing it. And Alan Zemitis' name keeps coming up all the time with people in the recruitment because he's out there not selling but sharing what a great experience it, it is here. And I think it's made a big difference. That's, well, that's that's interesting. Yeah, I do know Kenny really well. I, I got to know him uh, during the years when Josh was there, when Josh Gaddis was there. And, you know, yeah. he and I got to be pretty good friends where we'd, we would go out and, you know, talk inside football. And I love that because, you know, I was yeah. always used to it. I When I go out, everybody's got to pick my brain on everything. Well, man, I got to sit and listen to a guy like Josh Gaddis, who has obviously become – uh, done a great job and moving on and on to different jobs. And Kenny was with us a few times, uh, and I got to know Kenny. And he's a big Phillies fan. He's from you know from the area here down in here. And uh, I loved his enthusiasm, and I was really disappointed when he went to Oregon. So, yeah, that was great news when he came back, Steve. And I'm glad to hear that he's still doing the terrific things he did. So, Midas, I don't know other than he was a tough defensive football player, and you know you, he was never a spectacular guy, but uh, he was one of those guys that seemed to make plays when you needed them. And his his passion on the recruiting front. I mean, because I see this all the time. I mean, you know, it's, you know, they're bringing guys in all the time, and if they're on an official visit, I can talk and say hi to them. If they're not, then I got to, you know. So I've always got to figure <laughs> out who's an official and who's not, and I'm trying to play that game all the time. All right. Next question from Wheels. <laughs> I re- I remember the- I remember us. Uh, I remember oh, how yes. careful with the things you did <laughs> oh. that we did. <laughs> yes, because <laughs> I've been lucky enough to stand on the sidelines <laughs> talking to the mothers of players. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, that was an interesting experience. Yeah. Yes. My, all right. My next question is this licensing thing. Is Penn State at a disadvantage, or are they uh, are they able to get up to uh, to speed on this? And is it going to be okay? Started from behind. They've made great progress in a year. I think in another six to twelve months, they might be on par with other people. But they've been mm-hmm. able to close the gap on name, image, and likeness. Uh, which has been big. Dan Kabbalah, and you know Dan, has mm-hmm. been working very hard in that area with Andy Frank, and they've been able to really close the gap. And also the collective, and I've talked to the, one of the guys that runs the collective up here, good friend of mine, and he's been able to, he told me what their financial projections are. Financial projections are in 10 months uh, they think they can get to eight figures. Wow. 
Well, that's big. That's competing. That's competing with the quote unquote big boys and that. Yeah. Uh, you know, like some of the southern schools or Ohio State or that sort of stuff. So great. That's great to hear. My all right. My next one before I run out of time with you. Um, <laughs> the the, uh, the USC uh, UCLA the whole Pac-10 getting into the Big Ten. I know you always have opinions on things and. You know, I, obviously, I love the prestige of those two schools coming into our conference. But what do you think it does, good or bad? I think it's nothing but good. Uh, you know, I think they bring two big brands to the conference. Travel is not going to be quite the issue people think, because I mean, Tara Vanderveer, the women's basketball coach at Stanford, said, "Well, oh, the travel for the other sports is going to be awfully tough and." expensive and she's coming at it from 35 million a year which is what Stanford gets um, that I'm not going to throw in their 30 billion dollar endowment but, <laughs> but but they're 35 million I mean the Big Ten might get, end up getting 100 million per school there's plenty of money to travel and let's face yeah. it do you want to see Penn State play UCLA and USC yeah, you do, because for the fans, I think it's really fun. Now it's a question of how do you work out the scheduling, and I think it brings nothing but positives to the table. And I think Martin Jarmond, who's the athletic director at UCLA, now let's take it from their point of view, made a great point. This move means I can keep all 25 of my sports. And that means that means outside of football, basketball, that's 23 other sports that he has where you have athletes that won't be losing scholarships because they're, they're not going to drop programs. Well, that's good to hear that it, it encompasses that. And the other, the other thing i got to ask you before we go is, uh, you know, every year was the stuff with James that he was going to go here, he was going to do this, he was going to do that. Signing that long-term deal, uh, and obviously you get out of it after a certain number of years. But how important was that with recruiting and stability and all that stuff? See, that's what this long—that's what long-term deals mean. And you and I know that it's different between college and pro, all right? And in college, that's why you, you'll see he got a two-year extension through twenty-seven, or this guy got a three-year extension through whatever. You know, Joe would get extensions. You know, and he, he publicly announced, I'm going to coach another four to five years. Well, why do you do that? You do that because you're telling the recruits, hey, look, I'm going to be here. Well, in 10 years, you sign a 10-year deal. Now, however long it goes, we'll see. But you sign a 10-year deal. Every single recruit they're recruiting right now feels really confident that that's going to be their coach. And I think it's made a difference in, the, in, the, in guys jumping on board and signing. Yeah, well, that's great to hear because you know you get tired of that every year. That the, because he is a guy that even though even though sometimes your own fans are never look. I've been around it for my whole life, and you know you have a guy you know is the right manager on your ball yep. club, and the fans hate him. Yeah, well, you know, know it's one of those things. So you're always going to have your people because you know we haven't beaten Ohio State enough and all that. Why do you want James Franklin around? He's not a winner and all that. Well, I've been lucky enough to be around him. You're around him a lot, and I've been lucky enough to be around him enough times. To, I told anybody that wanted to listen, I said, this guy is going to do some really good things up there, and he has, yeah. and he's going to continue to do it, in my opinion. So I'm glad to hear you say that because I thought it was great when he signed a long-term deal. Oh, so did I because, again, you want stability. And I know we're going to get to the end here. But I always laugh about this at, at this this point. 
if a player transfers, oh, this loyal. Oh, you know. Uh, okay. Right. That Clifford, I'm coming back for a sixth year. Oh, he's coming back for a sixth year. All right. Same thing with the coach. Right. Oh, we had Joe all those years. We never had to worry. You know, this guy's a, he signs a 10 year deal. It's a 10 year deal. Make up your mind. <laughs> well, that's what being a fan is. Personally, I'm kind of happy to have Sean Clifford being there at Purdue this year and I'm oh. not having one of those kids have to play right away. I can tell you in no uncertain terms, you are exactly right. <laughs> so, right? Were, and you and I and both they go know to there are points. Then they go to Auburn in two weeks after that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There are points in time where you and I know from doing our jobs that when somebody's not quite ready, they're not quite ready, but then the light comes on, you can see they're ready. Well, in the process of waiting for the light to come on, it's really great when you already know somebody is ready. Right. Just protect him and keep him on his feet, and everything will work out. You're the greatest. Take the world of <laughs> hey, you. Hey, I love I – love, this reminds me of one of our lunches. I love talking to you. we got to get together. Yes. <laughs> That's about what this was. One of our lunches. <laughs> we'll talk soon. Okay, Steve. Take care. Keep in touch. Thanks, Wills. <laughs> Did you have fun with that, Matt? Oh, always. Isn't he the greatest? Oh, yeah, I love him. The greatest. The greatest. Jerry Dulac tomorrow. And uh, the after show tomorrow, the suit on the IndyCar race in Kansas. No? If we're going to focus on any racing, it's NASCAR at Pocono this week. Oh, is it really? Yeah, I'm going. Oh, good. That's great. They go around in like a triangle. Correct. The tricky triangle. Oh, that sounds like the corner office. In an ever-changing world, one thing you can always count on is the service at Purdy Insurance. Hi, this is Season. While the world is constantly changing, Purdy Insurance is dedicated to providing you with the highest level of service to protect you, your family, and your business. Give us a call today at 570-286-5855. Go to our website at purdyinsurance.com or check us out on Facebook to see what Purdy Insurance can do for you.